Hi, I'm Janet Deneef, founder and director of the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. You are about to hear one of the highlight sessions of the 2021 event, which featured more than 150 storytellers and was explored through our theme, Mulat Sarira, self-reflection. So please settle in and let the magic of our 18th year continue. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ubud Writers and Readers Festival 2021. This year, the festival returns with the theme Mulat Sarira, self-reflection, which is drawn from a Balinese Hindu philosophy. From the 8th to the 17th of October, we have been exploring the meaning of self-reflection, cultural introspection, and human rights, examining who we are, what unites and divides us, and what drives our actions. My name is Jill Westaway, and I'm here today with Ahmad Arifiandi and Puspita in San Kamil from the Commodore Survival Program. So welcome to you both, and thank you so much for coming to share your work with us. Thank you for inviting us. So to start off with, uh, tell us a little bit about the history of your organization. Why was it set up? How big is it? Okay. How do you get your funding? Yeah. Okay, basically, uh, it started back in 2001. So when we are, when me and two colleagues helping an Australian researcher doing ecology, research on the ecology of Komodo dragon. And we spent almost five years to research. And then when the project stopped, me and two Indonesian colleagues started to think about this is a good project to get information on Komodo dragon and how to help them. And three of us established the Komodo Survival Program, an organization in Indonesia, and start on 2007. And then on 2008, we start collaboration and cooperation agreement with the Indonesian government to start to continue the monitoring and all the conservation works for saving the Komodo dragon until now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is not a huge organization. So there basically there are six people that involve, and we have two scientific advisors from uh, Dr. Tim Jessup and Claudio, and that's it. And uh, we're focusing on research, and we got some funding. So we are self-funded organization. So we get funding from uh, uh, donor organization that willing to help or to give donation in uh, conservation activities such as the CPF and others. Mm -hmm. And we also got funding from donation from people through our website as well. Mm -hmm. So those donors, are they mainly international donors or, or national? Yeah, mainly international donors. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, so just six of you doing all of this important, yes. Yes. important work. And I think you've been doing it for about 15 years, is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Puspita for the last six. Almost six years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, probably most of our audience today knows something about Commodore Dragons, and maybe some of you had a chance to watch the short video we were screening just now. Uh, but uh, let's uh, find out how much <laughs> you do know. I'm going to ask you some questions, and for those of you who answer a good number of them right, we've got some little prizes, prizes. for you. So, first question. Are Komodo dragons dinosaurs? No. How many say no? Three, four. Yeah. Good. <laughs> How many say yes? Komodo dragons are dinosaurs. Oh. Ooh, so we're fairly well split. So keep a note of that, and I'll give you the answers later. <laughs> Keep you guessing. <laughs> um, Commodore Dragon is the largest lizard in, in the earth that exists until today. Yes, yes. yes lots of yeses. yeses. Any no's? Well. Commodore can't swim. You just saw on the, those of you who saw the video. <laughs> So those who actually watch that video have, a, have an advantage, but you can still have a prize. 
Um, Commodore dragons only exist in the Commodore National Park. No. Any yeses? The most and lots of yeses. Okay, well that's we'll be we'll ex be exploring distribution in a minute because that's it's an important <laughs> one. Um, name at least three islands where you can find the dragons. Rincha, Komodo, Flores. Flores. They're pretty good, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I think they can go home. They don't need They're to surprising. listen. They listen to the videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are Komodo dragons cannibal? In other words, do they eat their own species? Yeah, so lots of years. It's in there. <laughs> There's another one. There's another one. But this is just to see whether you were tuned in and awake. You know, you obviously were. Do Commodore dragons eat vegetables? Are there vegan Commodore dragons? <laughs> any any yeses? Vegans? Any vegan Commodore dragons? Now, I don't think they get on very well in uh, Ubud. <laughs> <laughs> um, are Commodore dragons deaf? Pardon? What do you say? <laughs> what do you think? Yes? Uh, well, if you ask this, they must be. Yeah. They must be. Mm. She's <laughs> too smart, isn't she? Yeah. Can, now, those of you who saw the video will get this one easily. Can Commodore dragons reproduce without mating? That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. The female can mate without mating. I can give birth without mating. Commodore dragon saliva contains up to 50 bacteria. Commodore dragons live in a pack. The color of Commodore Dragon hatchling is different to the adult Commodore Dragon. Okay, so we had there 10 questions. Now, this is, a, this is a, trusting your honesty. How many of you got 10 out of 10? <laughs> Liar! <laughs> We're going to feed you to the Commodore Dragons. <laughs> Anybody get 10? Not. Hmm? There were 10 questions. How many of you got 10 right? 10 correct answers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Are Commodore Dragons dinosaurs? No. Three islands where you can find Commodore Dragons. Rincha, Commodore, Flores. Are Commodore Dragons cannibals? Yes. Do Commodore dragons eat vegetables? No. Are Commodore dragons deaf? Yes. Can they reproduce without mating? Yes. Are, um, are they the largest lizard on the earth? Yes. Can they swim? Uh, Commodore can't swim. False. Commodore dragons only exist in the Commodore National Park. False. Commodore dragon saliva contains up to 50 bacteria. True. True. Commodore dragons live in a pack. No. False. And the color of Commodore dragon hatchling is different to the adult Commodore yes. dragon. True. So, now you're in a position to <laughs> tell me. Who got 10 right? Nobody. Nine? Nine. Give the lady oh, okay. a give the lady a <laughs> prize. Can I get a, um, one of those trips in a Island? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want much. You don't want much. Uh, eight, eight right. Maybe next year. Eight right over eight here, right? lady yeah. here over here. Got eight right. Oh, congratulations. Well done, madam. Yeah. Seven over there. Uh, uh. Oh.
So we ran out of book, but we still We've have still lots of postcards, postcards for everyone. Okay. Six. Okay. Six. Oh, sorry. Miss. Okay. Six. Yes. Yeah. Who got six? Okay. Five. Another one. Four. Just give them just out. Give okay, everybody. I will yeah. give everybody the Everybody else, out. give everybody else a postcard for effort. And just applause and, right a, and, a, and a, a round of applause. Now we're going to show you another very short video clip to consolidate your information. Believe that Komodo dragons are descendants of dinosaurs. Truth is, Komodo dragon persisted on Earth 60 million years after dinosaurs went extinct. What other story do you believe it's true about the Komodo dragon? Let us tell you the untold things of Komodo dragons. Komodo dragons are highly protected animals by both international and Indonesian national laws. They are threatened by human activities and habitat encroachment and it is illegal to hunt, capture or trade wild individuals. Many believe that they are deadly because of their body size. They can weigh more than 80 kilograms and reach a length of 3 meters. However, it is their bite that can be dangerous, mainly because of their saliva containing several bacterial strains, and also containing anticoagulant and shock-inducing venom-like proteins. Most people believe that Komodo dragons inhabit the island of Komodo only. They are actually found on five islands in Komodo National Park, in eastern Indonesia. They also live in the west and north coast of Flores and on two islets, Longos and Antelo off the coast of northern Flores. Their home in East Nusa Tenggara province is a mesmerizing and breathtaking landscape. Here they can find enough prey to survive and reproduce. They really love their home here because just like any other reptiles, Komodo dragons like to bask, and this place gets sunshine throughout the year. This place also gets the small ones large trees to survive from predators. If you think Komodos are only found in savanna, they actually also can be found in dry deciduous monsoon forest and sometimes in semi-evergreen or mangrove forests. Do you think that Komodos are always big when they are hatched? Hatchlings are tiny, weighing around 100 grams. With this size, they have a natural instinct to climb up trees soon after hatched to avoid predators, including adult Komodo dragons. Hatchlings live up on trees eating insects, bird eggs and geckos, and after one year they start to forage on small mammals, snakes and megapode birds' eggs. After they reach a weight of around 20 kilograms, they will permanently live on the ground ambushing prey as large as deer and wild boars. This shift in diet is necessary to fulfill a Komodo dragon's growing energy needs. Do you think Komodo is a loner? Well, we can say so. They only socialize when mating or having a big prey. Adult Komodo dragons will mate from June to August. Males can travel up to three times their usual daily travel distance, and will fight other males for access to females. After mating, the female will dig a nest for laying her eggs. That can be a mound made of earth, leaves and twigs, a burrow on a hill slope, or a ground nest. They will then guard the nest from predators for around three to four months, and then they leave the eggs. The extraordinary things we discovered so far about Komodo dragons will be history if they go extinct. This is something we should all believe in, we need to stand together to protect this amazing species, and to find more facts about them. Here is how to achieve this goal. First, we need to regularly monitor wild populations so we know of any change that might need immediate action. Second, it is crucial to monitor and protect prey species which are very important for Komodo dragon survival. Third, habitat monitoring and protection to ensure that their home is safe and can support their natural well-being. And last, but not the least, involve the local community living close to Komodo dragons in habitat and wildlife conservation, and sustainable development initiatives. Visit our website to get more information and to learn more on how you can help. Very nice. Thank you. Um, at the latter part of that video, there was a, a four-point strategy yes. to prevent the Commodore Dragon from becoming extinct. Yeah. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that strategy? Because it's quite a lot to absorb all yeah. at once. 
Yeah, I think there are four strategies that we think very important because first of all, we can conserve them, we can save them without knowing the population are. So that's the first thing that we know to understand where Komodo dragon live and we always monitor the population. Mm. Whenever they're declining, they're immediate action and when it's stable, we have to keep that way. Mm -mm. Should we just have a look at the distribution map there just yeah. to, because I think that's an important thing that comes out of the video. Yeah. The, the actual distribution that it's not in fact just the national park. Yeah, because yeah, the information on Komodo dragon is very limit, limited. And as you may aware that when we ask question, that lots of people knowing Komodo dragon only in Komodo National Park. And some of them only know that only Komodo Island. But in the reality, they are also in Flores, which is unfortunately in Flores, there are no attention. And because people doesn't know there are dragon over there. And in the reality as well, that the dragon who facing threat, the biggest threat is the one on Flores yeah. because they live side by side yeah. with human. Yeah, that's why we need to understand the distribution and we are always to monitoring the, their population. The second one that we think important is to secure the food. We have to monitoring the food because one of the, the important factor to conserve the dragon is to make sure their prey or their food availability which is the deer. And unfortunately, deer is the one who being poached by illegal poacher, and mostly on Flores because most of the area is not protected. In Komodo National Park, where it's very secure and safe, they are fine, but on Flores, yeah, it's, yeah we need to mm. put more effort. Mm. And the third thing that we thought and understand is for sure the habitat protection. Because if the habitat is not protected and the deer is being poached by people, so it will less chance for Komodo dragon to survive. And the last but not least is how to involve the community. Because in, especially in Flores and some area, some tiny area in Komodo National Park, there are some people that live coexist with dragon. Mm -hmm. So if we are not involved them and we are not getting benefit of the presence of the Komodo dragon, they won't help us to conserve the, the, the their species. So Absolutely. that's why we always have to involve people. Yeah. Puspita, would you like to yeah. add a little bit to that last one? Yeah, maybe yeah. can you have the second slide of the PowerPoint? Because I want to show how the how we involve the local people. Sure. Because actually the conservation, the heart of conservation is people. When we involve the local people to feel that this species is also important, not 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 for the environment only, but also for them. It's, 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 it's very beneficial for the conservation itself. So if you can see the, in, the, in the Flores Island, we have uh, several activities that involve local people, like for example, training. Uh, and then we also give education to small children. Uh, we give the storybook, we create storybook, we create an, a very new story about Komodo in Flores because actually they don't have this kind of folklore in Flores Island. Differently with Komodo National Park, they have this uh, kind of belief and folklore that uh, Komodo dragon is the twin of their ancestor. Mm. So they, they, they feel that Komodo is also their ancestor. So they can coexist in, with Komodo very well, but not in the Flores. So we, we have this multifaceted approach to involve the locals. And we successfully secured a, a habitat for a Komodo dragon in Torong Padang. It's in North Flores uh, with local tribe uh, called Baar tribe. Uh, and they agree to protect uh, the, the area together with us and with the government. Yeah. So that's one example of uh, yeah. local people involvement. And it's also quite important because within Komodo National Park, all the area is protected. Sure. But in forest, only 15% of the area is protected. The majority of the distribution area is not protected. That's why we have to involve people to help us to protect together because we can just leave it to the government because, yeah. Mm. That's part of that no, reason. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's not a, a protected national park yeah. where a lot of them live. So, Puspita, what do you see as the greatest threats to the Komodo dragon? Well, actually, the, the greatest threat is the deer uh, poaching mm -hmm. at the moment. Uh, we, we have this uh, research every year to, to measure the prey level, in, in, especially in the national park. And we think that if the main species uh, of prey of Komodo dragon uh, eliminated, you can say, from the from the Flores Island in the in the in the area, in the main area, it, it will be a really a major threat for Komodo because yeah. they 
barely can survive. Uh, and if they can survive, they need to look for another kind of prey, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe it's smaller one like bats, uh, bats that you often see in your houses, maybe. Uh, but it it has an impact on their on their body size and maybe yeah. on the on the behavior. Because I'm not the biologist here, maybe Ahmad want to yeah. add a bit. Of it. Yeah, I think the major threat is the prey illegal, the illegal poaching mm-hmm. prey. So that's that's the major threat. And I think the second threat will be the land use change. Mm. As you may see that, especially in Flores, where most of the area is not protected, so it will be easily to being changed to agriculture mm. and other. So that's mm. the second uh, important threat. And I think because they live side by side, especially in Flores, the third threat will be the conflict between human and probably the Puspita, we yeah. can elaborate yeah. more about the conflict between human and Komodo dragon. Yes. So maybe if you, if you hear that people in Komodo Island and uh, the, in the national park, they live very well with Komodo. They love Komodo because Komodo also helped them to you know, bring the tourism industry in, into their islands. In Flores, they, hide, they hate uh, Komodo dragon as like, we hate cockroaches. So it's like, it's like <laughs> past to them. Mm. Uh, they, they don't see it as a magnificent species like we all do. It's mm. very different. Uh, in the past, they may kill Komodo dragon that may, may uh, kill their livestock or enter the house. Mm. But uh, after we intervened for the five years, uh, we started in 2016. We we had this research uh, to have their perception measured, and then we have several uh, intense activities with people. We shift their perception from uh, Komodo is a pest to Komodo is actually uh, your coexisting partners in this area. We can bring the tourism industry here, and you can protect them together with the government and also with our organization. Mm. How long did that take? Five years. Already, oh, yes. I think, yeah. and it's still it's ongoing. Five years and ongoing. It's still, it's still ongoing. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's very hard to, to change people's perspective. It's very hard to convince people, but we are, we're going under that direction. Right, so I guess one virtue you need is patience. Yes. yes. Um, let's focus in on your um, long-term research. Yeah because I know that you've, you've been involved, uh, you yourself, 15 years in the organization, yeah. 18 yeah. years of intensive ecological and social research. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge amount of research, yeah. and I guess a lot of publications. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, as I told in the, in the beginning that our organization is started based on research. So most of the people or most of the member of our organization is researchers because we believe that using a good scientific information can help the government or anyone doing the right things. So that's our main uh, uh, thinking. And yeah, during the past 10 years, we, we've been learning the Komodo dragon in Komodo National Park, learning how they should live. And we're trying to implement our, the information on the basic knowledge of Komodo dragon, how to uh, inform the government that this is the best thing that the organ can have. And using this information, using this knowledge, that we kind of use this uh, very uh, basic knowledge that can help the government to make a good policy. That's why the organization is have position in. We're trying to help the government with a really good information so in the future they can make a better uh, decision and policy decision, and you may you write that uh, based on our more than 15 years research. Can we can say 15 years? We published more than 25 publication up till 30 publication. Mm. That's mm. internationally recognized journal. So that's it's help us to convince the government that the information that we have is really accurate and really good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. We were talking earlier about how governments tend to rely on learned professors in, in university ivory towers rather than people working in the field. But you've been working very hard to convince them that they need to listen to you. Yeah. But talking about time, you said it took you five years to convince the villagers. Mm-hmm. How long has it taken you to convince <laughs> the government to listen to you? <laughs> I think more than 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I think the first 10 years, they just saw us, who are you? It's just, just young people doing things, but then after we publish, they start to understand that we, we're creating or we're providing really good information rather than just, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can give us a, an example or two of uh, policy decisions yeah. that the government have taken based on the scientific-based information that you have provided yeah. to them. I think the, the biggest accomplishment that we have is just in the past two years when the government uh, asked us and we helped the government as their consultants for drafting a 10 years government strategic action plan for conservation of Komodo dragon. So it's, quite, it's, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really a relief for us that the government would like to such a very important document and they ask our opinion based on the scientific information. So hopefully uh, with our involvement can make a really good policy or document that can guide everyone, including the government, to to do the, doing the conservation for Komodo in the right way. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, excellent. Anything else that the, the government think, have learned? Yeah, I think one other uh, accomplishment is that the one that I mentioned that I helped them uh, to secure uh, protected areas well. I mean, like locally tribe uh, protected areas in North Flores, and it's also uh, proving the government that we can work with the local tribe it's an indigenous people, uh, local tribe. It's, it's the biggest tribe in, uh, in, the, in the distribution area of Komodo Dragon. Uh, so it's, it's also a su successful uh, achievement from, yes. uh, for us to secure this, uh, how many hectares of habitat? Torong Padang Peninsula? I think it's about 500 of hectares. 500 hectares so of we, protected we, areas. We, we successfully uh, convinced the local people to make like their own conservation area mm -hmm. run by the local people to help the government to protect the species. Mm. I think it's kind of major achievement. And in terms of the government, I think that every year we have a meeting with the Komodo National Park just to convince them how the, what is the most important. And it seems like during the past five years, they have some policy in increasing protection and attention in some area that never been they yeah. thought it's important mm -hmm. and in, based on the information the population is not really good at the moment and during the past five years it's it's slightly yeah, it's getting better and better mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think yeah, with the better information they did the right thing and yeah, yeah we the result is good as well mm -hmm. yeah. so. maybe mm -hmm. i want to add uh, to add on that uh, so if you know that uh, padar island it's a very famous one uh, tourist yeah. attraction in Komodo, Komodo National Park. So previously there is no Komodo there, but uh, according to our data, uh, the deer population is growing in Padar Island. So Komodo is going back to the island. Yeah. That's one example how we, uh, how we, you know, uh, we encourage the government to to protect uh, to protect yeah. this island more to do more regular patrol and monitoring in this area yeah. it's and it's all based on our uh, scientific data oh, yeah. yeah that's fantastic so we help them to recognize the island which is previously has has dragon going extinct and now repopulated again mm -hmm. and become a really good healthy mm. so yeah so, so maybe you want to be careful uh, if you go yeah. Next time next you go to Padar, be careful. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. A relaxing yeah, picnic might not be quite yeah. so relaxing. <laughs> um, one of the things that you helped me to understand when we were talking earlier was that uh, the government needs to understand how to sort of maintain the population, not necessarily to Increase. increasing it. I mean, you told me there are about three to 4,000 okay. Commodore Dragons still alive. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you and the government, everybody's not in the business of turning yeah. that into 20,000 <laughs> yes. because the environment cannot sustain that yes. number, but it's in terms of maintaining yeah. the numbers that you already yeah. have. Yeah. And you also told me about the role of cannibalism, that the, the, the dragons actually help themselves. Maybe you could tell us a little yeah. bit more about that, but I think it's very interesting yeah. how cannibalism is yeah. used by the dragons for their own um, future. Yeah, I think the best way that if you can have the environment or the animal sustain is just let the nature doing their way without our involvement. And for example, that in Komodo National Park, we estimate there are 3,000 Komodo dragon live within Komodo National Park, and there are another 1,000 in Flores Island. In Komodo National Park, where it's quite secure and safe, yeah. I think that we, we doesn't have 
to make the population is really high because the the island itself is very low, it's very small. So, and the Copenhagen has its own uh, mechanism. For example, that you they know that they can have too many dragon in small island. That's why when it's overpopulated, when the when the when the female keep laying the eggs and the eggs hatch and the dragon, not the not the mother but the other dragon will try the weaker one. So the big one will kill the smaller one this week and also probably they will uh, kill and eat the old, very old and uh, not very strong dragon. So it's how they maintain, because Komodo dragon is a top predator. Mm -hmm. It means that no one uh, kill the other, uh, kill the, no, not, not other species that regulate the population, so they have to regulate themselves. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, but this is quite different story in Flores. In Flores, there are such huge area, lots of resources, but very small population of Komodo dragon. So this is that need more attention that that the government need think how to preserve more area and trying to increase the population because they are very low. For example, that the distribution area is almost similar in Komodo National Park in Flores, but the number of the population is almost one fourth mm. compared to the mm. Komodo Island. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Puspit, could you tell us a little bit more about the, the legends surrounding mm. the Commodore Dragon? You, you alluded to it earlier and, and how it's not a consistent legend across yeah. the distribution. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier that in Commodore National Park they have a kind of folklore. The main idea was that there was a princess and a prince and they are twins and the princess became, uh, became a Commodore Dragon and they call it Sabai uh, as, as a sibling. Uh, and they, they believe that the, the Sabaya, the Komodo dragon, live up in the forest and the prince one come back to the, to the village. And uh, so every time they meet uh, Komodo dragon, they will call it uh, High Sabaya, like that. Uh, so they don't, don't, don't see Komodo as a threat at all in the island. So if you, if you like, uh, heard that in Komodo, Komodo National Park, they, they, uh, there is a Komodo eat the livestock, they, will, they don't get angry. Uh, but in Flores, there is no folklore. There is never any folklore of Komodo dragon. In Komodo National Park, you can, you can, you can hear a various version of this uh, folklore. But in Flores Island, they don't have any, any story about uh, Komodo dragon. They have story about dogs, deer, and birds, uh, and chicken, but not Komodo dragon at all. So they don't feel the, you know, the, the engagement, the attachment with Komodo dragon. So it's very hard to approach them and say Komodo dragon is kind. They will just you know, reject the idea because uh, Komodo ate my goat and they, they actually need the livestock tomorrow for the marriage of their children and they will get very angry about that. So uh, we can have that folklore approach of conservation uh, effort in Komodo National Park, but in Flores we need to create another story, uh, another approach. Uh, that's what makes uh, the Flores conservation effort in terms of coexistence is harder than, than Komodo National yeah. Park. Yeah. That's also why we put more effort in community in Flores yeah. than, than in Komodo sure. National Park. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we've got a little bit of extra time because we started late, but um, I just wanted to ask you both how you see the future for the Commodore Dragon. And I think you've probably got answers relating to the National Park yeah. and answers relating to Flores. Yeah. I think that in Commodore National Park, as long as the government can protect the areas and maintain what is happening now, I think it will be fine. And yeah, according to the IUCN also stated that the, the population is quite stable yeah. and well protected. So there are nothing, so that's the only thing that we can do and keep monitoring. Mm. But on Flores, it's quite different stories because we know that there are more areas that less protected. So I think there are more effort that need collaboration, not only with the government, because the government that maintain uh, protected areas only only few area, only 15% of the area, but the rest, the 85% of the area is need collaboration between the local government, the local people, and the, the, the organization like us to work together mm. to help them how to survive. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, in the future, I think, yeah, 
the Komodo dragon in Komodo National Park will be survive, but there are more effort that still need in Flores. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I want to add that Flores is a very huge area. Other than Komodo dragon, they also have conflict with crocodiles, so uh, they have a v quite you know negative uh, perception of uh, crocodile lizard and else. It's 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 a very wild areas. Uh, so maybe maybe the challenge uh, in the future is that because Komodo live in the coastal areas in yes. the north and western coast of Flores. Uh, we, we, we know that the, the sea level rise is also a threat of Komodo, of Komodo dragon. So it's, it's not a direct threat, but imagine that if your home is sinking, then you, you don't want to live anymore, right? Like, uh, Komodo can't uh, live in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the central forest because it's very high. Mm. It's too cold for them. So they need beach. They need to, you know, they are, they are, you can say that they are, they are, they are uh, liking the beach just like we all do. Uh, they, they need to bus to get the energy for the sun, mm. so they need a very large beach area. Uh, so I think the challenge is to protect that, that coastal area of yeah. Flores because it's very huge, it, mm. you know, it's, yeah. mm. it's just tremendously big yeah. <laughs> island. And as Ahmad said, using all the different stakeholders. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah mm. no, it's a... A real challenge. And differently, because Flores area mostly are not protected, yeah, uh, it, it's quite hard in terms of bureaucracy, because in the national park you get one head, but in Flores we need to talk to several mo uh, stakeholders mm. to protect them, so that's, that's also uh, a big challenge for mm. us in Flores. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah in, in, in conclusion that in Flores is, is like a bigger, we need a bigger deal, we need lots of people involved. We can rely on the government. We can sure. rely on the national park sure. to save the Komodo dragon on Flores. That's everyone to have to help. Mm. Mm. Um, now, finishing on a couple of um, things that we probably all read about in the news. Um, the fact that uh, there have been recent government proposals to drastically reduce the number of visitors to the area and yeah. to charge $1,000 a head. Um, and another, um, probably more controversial, more sensational piece of news, that there were plans going ahead for a Jurassic Park-type facility yeah. in the Commodore Islands. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could comment on, on those two okay. uh, pieces of news, because yeah. I think they are out there, and we, we need to understand, are they true? Yeah. Are, they, are they exaggerated? And how do they fit into your overall... Strategy. Yeah. I think that at the moment there are still no uh, official uh, statement or official decision from the government yet. But I think what the government think is they trying to see the situation now. If you may aware that probably 10 years ago there are only 50,000 people come to Komodo National Park every year, but last year before the COVID there are more than 200,000 people come every year. So it's four times fold compared to previously. Then the government start to think it's not right. They have to think how to manage it because you can make the Cooperative National Park SMS tourism because it's not, it's not the amusement park. Mm. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the basis of they trying to think about whether they have to reduce the number and have to increase the to, to reduce number. Mm. And also regarding the Jurassic Park, uh, rumors that what I can say that it's not like Jurassic Park like you see in the movies, like entertainment or amusement. It's just probably they want to, it's just like the, the scenics, like Jurassic Park. What they did at the moment is not recreating amusement park or huge building. What they did is just improving the facility to accomplish or to, to compensate the number of visitors that coming. Mm. And I think the major idea is to make it safer for everyone, safer for Komodo dragon because they don't want too many people encroach the habitat and they want to make sure the safety for the tourism. What they build is they try to improve, they, they are the pathway that usually you're walking on the ground, but now they elevate it so the, the tourists will save walking above them and the Komodo dragon and other animals still can pass along. And we also, that is, that is something that probably you first ask what is our uh, role or advice to government? Yeah, we also ask them that using this facility, you have to make sure that to make sure that the, the tourist doesn't come 
encroach more habitat, so they have to concentrate in certain areas. So you can improve the facility, but 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 not allow people to to what he said that to to encroach yeah, more more. Mm -hmm. So it's just make them in one places. Mm -hmm. And I think that you the government. I think the government still have uh, good uh, regulation where in Komodo National Park they only allow less than three percent of the area for the tourism. There are still 97% that's still wild and wow. protected. Yeah. So I think as long as the government can consistent with that, I think it will be fine. And the other thing is, hopefully the government will think twice to make a built resort kind of thing because it's more greater impacts than others. But as far as I know, there are still no project that building any resorts or other thing in Ireland at the moment. At the moment, at but the it moment. needs to be monitored. Yeah. yeah, we need to monitor, yeah. and we we will we will always uh, remind the government how how to important and how, yeah how, how how the the consequences of such of. Mm. Mm. Do you want to add something? Well, uh, I think I think I, I second Ahmad in in this in this particular topic because we know that. We, we, we've been receiving a lot of um, you know interview requests from the from the journalists uh, about this one, but for the Jurassic Park, so called Jurassic Park, you can say uh, the project is actually in one way it's, it's it's very safe for the tourists. We 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 heard that uh, Singaporean tourists get bitten in the in the leg, and it's it's quite uh, it's quite you know bad news for for all of us, for the mm. researcher, for mm. the guide, mm. for the government, and mm. we actually want to prevent that. By, by making people only walk in that in that particular area, yeah. uh, and we want we want Komodo to be secure as well because uh, you know we are disturbed by strangers, right? So uh, so so so, so the day so are they <laughs> yeah. so uh, so we want to make the Komodo as safe as possible and the tourists as safe as possible as well. Uh, hopefully, it won't change anything. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of uh, the, how, how people see the Komodo National Park, because they are, they are, we, we can say that they are monitored by the global pressure, right? People, uh, people's eyes are on them right now. And actually, it's a good thing because, you know, public, public can serve a, a monitoring role for the government to make a better decision and also a good criticism uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, and our role as a researcher is to providing the data. But not the pressure. So, so we have different role here, and you can you can you can help save them by, you know, monitor all of been going on in the, in the national yeah. park and also in Flores as well. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And I will of course that, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to talk, but I will easily if you come and see whether it's good or not. So I can encourage you to come next year when mm. it's done, and then you can judge by yourself. So yeah. it's the best one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you both very much. I think we'll. Um, open up for questions and Evil Janet is raring to go with a question. It's so fine just from there. It's really weird, isn't it? I've got to look this way. Um, so I'm how can I? Uh, <laughs> uh, the governor of NTT uh, made a statement that uh, he felt the Komodo dragons now are too small and uh, so he wants to give them uh, steroids. I wanted to, yeah, I don't know if you know about this. Okay. And uh, also he had said that... Uh, he thought it would be better that they moved the Komodo dragons from Rincha onto Komodo Island. So just move them, you know, like they'll get on fine. You just mix, you know, the two different Komodos together and they'll have fun. So anyway, um, do you know anything about this? Okay. He, he's made this statement. So I, I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I heard that his, uh, the government said that the Comoradigan is smaller, but I think uh, it's just kind of misinterpretation. Probably he was being false information uh, when they received information Comoradigan on Flores, and he thought it was on Komodo Island. So again, that uh, basically what I can tell is the institution that 
uh, have the the obligation and by the government to manage the Komodo dragon is the Ministry of the Environment. So all the decision will be uh, decided by the Ministry of Environment. And I do believe that we always give like a scientific information regarding for the population. We have a really good information on how is Komodo dragons going, their body weight and other thing. And we inform the ministry so any decision or any policy regarding moving the dragon or uh, human or in government interfere with the population will be based on scientific uh, information. And again, then probably that is just like miscommunication kind of thing. And I do believe that uh, what information that we give to the government is really good because based on, not only based on uh, what we call it assumption, but really on data for your information that every year we always catch the dragon and measure the animal and release. To date, we have more than uh, 1,200, 1,200 dragon that we've been tagging and we're monitoring every, every year. So we know for sure if there are dragons shrinking or other things and the, gover the Indonesian government, the ministry will take immediate action. That's why uh, our organization is working is to provide information. So if there's anything wrong, the government could react before it's too late. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's very reassuring. Yeah. Uh, any other question? No. Are you, are you both from Flores? Are you from Flores? I'm not from Flores, but I've been working there uh, for more than 16, yeah, more than 15 years. So I think like, even though that I'm not Flores, but it will be same as Jill feels like Indonesia is her home. I feel like even I'm not, I'm Sudanese, I'm not a Flores, but I feel Flores is my home. home. So yeah. I will do my best to protect them. I think you blend in more than Jill does though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a question over there. Hi, thank you so much for the presentation. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think part of the maybe rumors or misconceptions about the Komodo National Park is that there are a lot of like developments or buildings um, for the tourism as yeah. the tourists are growing. And I just want to know um, what your thoughts about it and like how do you ensure that it is well regulated after COVID because yeah. I guess now with COVID, it's easier to regulate it. But after COVID, do you expect more tourists to come? And yeah. how would you regulate that? And also yeah. like hotels, building and all okay. that. Thank you. Okay. I will answer. So basically, that the government at the moment, they have regulation. So how the Comodo National Park manage the Comodo National Park is they have like a zonation scheme. So like I told earlier that the tourism area that allowed to be developed or other thing is less than 3%. And within that 3%, they are not allowed to build anything more than 10% of the 3%. So it's very tiny places. So I think that the government will hopefully will uh, stick to the regulation so they're not allowed to the development to be. So it's still safe because it's a very tiny area. It's only less than 3%. Probably. And the other thing that we, we realize, we concern about the increase of the number of tourist visitation. And we also advise, and we work together with the Comodo National Park, and they started to make like uh, limited the number of tourists that come, and they regulated. So they started, I think starting this year, they start to make like quota for the tourists that may come, and they regulate the time. So no one can come ever. So I think after the COVID, there will better management. So maybe next time you come to Komodo National Park, you have to online book and you online, otherwise you come and you, you won't allowed to come. Mm. So mm. I think that this is a good thing that, that the government start to, to do. Mm -hmm. right. I think the government already think about that and they're working on it. Again, encouraging, very yeah. encouraging. Um, I have a question which was submitted uh, online by Lizzie Chan. 
Why do you think that when it comes to environmental issues, preservation issues, most of the time it's always the foreign co corporations that would want to help more than our own local government? And a subsidiary question, if we can't afford to go and work in the, in the conservation area, aside from donating funds, what else can we help to do from a distance? Yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that I think that the, the thing that we are Indonesian organization that we work in, so it's not true that the, the government only rely on foreign help. And, we st we, and also that uh, apart from donation, what do you think that they can yeah. help? Maybe I can add something about that. Uh, my thought is uh, because in the, in the local area, conservation is not a priority because we have a very, you know, we have a lot of challenges in Indonesia, underdeveloped mm. areas, uh, educational problems, and then uh, underage marriage. For us, for humans, maybe it's a t the top priority, and conservation is maybe not 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 as as a top problem now. Yeah. So maybe that can answer. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot of uh, it's a similar problem with under you can say third world countries. Uh, but I think uh, there is growing effort locally uh, by also scientists in Indonesia that they they feel that we need to contribute more in our local conservation. And yeah. rather than to invite, uh, maybe, maybe have you heard about the parachute science? So it's it's a kind of a foreign uh, foreign organization doing one of projects in Indonesia and then they leave without teaching local scientists their skill set. And actually what we are doing in Komodo Survival Program, we, we get the skill set from our uh, former uh, top scientists, mm -hmm. uh, Tim Jessop and Claudio, and they leave something for us to be sustainable as our own organization, yeah. to, you know, to stand on our feet. Right, yeah. uh, and here we are now. I mean, I, I, think, I think we can say that we, we are proudly Indonesians, get the skill set from foreign people, and, and then we, we, we have that skill set now to stand on our feet. Because it's yeah. more sustainable. Yeah. It's certainly more sustainable. Yeah. 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 And, and growing local effort to beat that parachute science is, is growing bigger in Indonesia. So I think we are, we are going to the good direction here. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Good. Hopefully. One last question from anyone? That's it. Okay. Well, yes. thank you both very, very much. It's You're been welcome. a really, really interesting session. Yeah. I hope the audience has enjoyed it, both here in Ubud and online. Yeah. And uh, it certainly stimulated all sorts of uh, new curiosities to learn yeah. more about these wonderful Commodore dragons yeah. and yeah. to actually come and visit you yeah. in action. Yeah. So thank you both very much. Yeah. Thank you for thank inviting us. Thank you for having us. us. And thank you. thank you for supporting the Yayasan Mudra Swari Saraswati Patrons <laughs> Programme and to the festival's partners who have made the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival possible um, in this difficult year. <laughs> Follow at Ubud Writers Festival on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or visit ubudwritersfestival.com for more information about the rest of the programme and news about next year's programme. Thank you very much. <laughs>